Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to tune in to this week's message. People have wronged you because you have failed. You've allowed some walls and some doors to be shut from living again. I understand that you've had some disappointments. I understand that those disappointments and those fears and those failures have allowed you to put up some doors and shut up from a life of hope and a life from believing. That's caused you to shut up areas of your life from allowing other people to encourage you, to know about it, to stand with you, to say it's okay, you can live again. Get it out into the light. But also know it's time for you to connect again. To connect again, to live again. And I hope these stories will encourage you to connect those closed up areas, fearful areas of your life to the power of his resurrection. My name is Michelle Dalton, and I attend Dwelling Place Church. Um, My life before growth phases was a very broken life. Um, I went through a divorce that was unexpected. Um, It's not something that, that I ever wanted. And through that, I was just a very sad and lonely person. Um, I was very private. Um, I didn't share with a lot of people about what was going on in my life because um, I was just, number one, fearful. I was angry, and I was bitter, and I was resentful. But I was trying, um, I had hoped that my, I would get my life back at some point, and so I prayed for many years for my marriage to be restored, which it was not. And it was very difficult for me to finally come to acceptance of that. And it wasn't until growth phases that I was able to do that and face that uh, head on. So um, in August of 2014, I began attending Dwelling Place Church. And um, I attended there, it wasn't long after that um, Chad had mentioned growth phases. Um, pretty much growth phases you know, changed my life. So as I'm going through growth phases, um, I would come, you know, come home and I would call my friends on the way home and tell them, you know, just how how great it was and everything that I was learning in the classes. And everybody was really interested in it, but nobody was willing to drive to Woodstock to go to class. And so um, I talked to Chad about it and um, we worked it out to where he would come to my house and teach it. And so on that... Um, that first night we had a living room full of people and it was it was just amazing 
We are Stacy and Jeff Reed. Uh, we currently attend Dwelling Place Church, and we started Growth Phases a year ago here in Michelle's house. Uh, for me, Growth Phases has changed me tremendously. It has uh, made me want to rededicate my life to serving the Lord. I feel like this class has taught me the fundamentals, has taught me what I need to be doing. Instead of just believing, I'm, I'm seeking. I'm, I'm looking for reasons, reasons to be intentionally generous to people or to help someone. Before this class, I always felt like um, it, for God to use me, that I had to know everything, know scripture. Um, I didn't feel like God could use me, but through this class, I, I realized that God can use you right where you are right now. I feel that he's put us where we are within the last year, and it's all because we have learned the lifestyle that we need to be living. Yeah. I think before, too, we try to control everything, where um, life is just kind of just so overwhelming, just feeling like um, in control. And it's not that our situation or our circumstances changed, it's just that we trust him now, um, and we know that he's greater than our circumstance, so we don't feel the weight any longer. Through this process, um, everybody who was attending the, the group, um, I, I began seeing um, them grow individually and also grow as a group. It is important to um, be connected um, with others when you're walking this life together because before I was just lonely and, um, you know, I was I wasn't accountable to anybody, and so um, this this just really really helps me to realize the importance um, that living things should remain connected. My name's Jenny. I met uh, Michelle a couple years ago at church, and she invited me to be part of Growth Phases, and um, it's really changed my life. But it feels like that's an understatement to say that. Well, it started in foundation phases, really putting a lot of the pieces of the puzzle together for me, things that I didn't really know. Um, I came on late, kind of a late believer and follower in my relationship with Christ, and so it really solidified who I am in Jesus Christ. You know, before growth phases in church, it was a Sunday deal, um, and this group of people has been incredible uh, to stay connected, and, and even over the past few months, we've grown closer and closer, and really connected to do life together, and I know that they will help me through any difficult times, and, you know, I will do the same for them. Um, helps you focus, you know, in all times, good and bad, on what's important, which is God, and we're here to, to show His love to each other and get each other through. It really is amazing to see the change that's taken place over the last year in my life, and I've always prayed for my life to uh, be returned to me um, before growth phases, but then after growth phases, what God has shown me that what he really wants for me is just to live again. Oh, come on. Living things remain connected. Why don't you connect to Jesus' resurrection today? Connect to his victory and to his word to live again. Connect to the life of Jesus that flows through his community of followers. So number one, living things remain connected. Number two, 
living things require attention. Notice in verse 20 that Jesus, after he said those things, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Notice he's showing his hands. He's showing his feet. He's showing his side where he's been pierced. See, to live again, it requires attention. And then something happens. The then didn't happen until they gave their attention to what Jesus was showing them. I believe Jesus is showing and desiring to show you things today. Things about your life, things about your career, things about your marriage, things about the trials that you're facing. But living things require attention. You know, I've never met a person who did not desire to be glad. I've never met a person who didn't desire to have more joy. The issue is, is we want the joy and the experience of being glad in life now without giving any attention to the very thing that can bring it about. Or we don't want to stop giving attention to things that are not producing the life we were created for in order to give attention to things that would cause us to live again. Notice the disciples first needed to give attention to the hands and the sight of Jesus. Then they were glad. Then they truly saw the fact of his power and his authority and his resurrection, his capability. It was only after. See, for you to live again requires giving attention to truly seeing what God has already done in Christ Jesus. Before you got up this morning, in fact, even before you were born, God had already done some things for you through Jesus Christ. But it's going to require you giving attention to look at the hands that were pierced, the feet that were pierced. It's going to require you giving attention to some details about the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's going to require you giving attention to how God has designed this life to work. It won't work the way you want it to work. It only works the way God has designed it to work. For your marriage to live again, it's going to require you giving some attention to your spouse even before they give you the attention you need and desire. Maybe for your career to live again, it's going to require you to give some attention to it. Are you actually in a place that's aligned with how God's created you? Are you actually in a place in line with the strengths and the way God has designed you? Are you really where God wants you? Paul, again, in the resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says in verse 33, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Verse 34, Awake! Everybody say awake! To righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Notice Paul says to the believers, Corinth, you need to awake to righteousness. What's he saying? You need to awake to what Jesus Christ has already accomplished. It doesn't matter how far sin has drug you away from God's plan for your life. It doesn't matter how long sin and the devil has kept you from living again in God's purpose. You need to understand what Christ has accomplished, that he has came and he became a door for you to return to your creator, for you to be forgiven, for you to have peace with God, for you to be made in right standing with God. you got to awake to righteousness. you got to awake to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Why do you got to awake? Because living things require attention 
And you cannot give the attention needed to your marriage, to your career, to your relationships, to your situations if you're not awake. You know, my family just had Christmas in March. You say, what is that about? Well, first, it's a little dangerous because you start extending Christmas with three kids and they want Christmas all year round. But what happened was, is as I was thinking about what to give my family for Christmas, I began to notice that my wife was watching one of her favorite movies, The Sound of Music, with our kids. And I began to hear them singing, you know, the, the songs from the, the movie, The Sound of Music. And so when I thought about what to give them for Christmas, I thought, let me check out the Fox Theater down in ATL, downtown Atlanta, and see what they're having. And sure enough, The Sound of Music was coming to the Fox in March. I said, thank you, Lord, for making it easy. Figure out what to get them. But I, so I bought them tickets, and so they open up their gifts, and there's this piece of paper, and then you got to explain to the kids what it means. But nevertheless, a couple weeks ago, we just had Christmas in March, and there my firstborn, uh, Caleb, and my second, Alexa, and my wife, Michelle, and I, we head to the Fox. It's their first time at the Fox Theater, and they're looking up at the lights and just all the excitement. And we get in there, and the play begins. And then I begin to hear stuff like this. Daddy, I'm thirsty. Daddy, daddy, pass the popcorn. Daddy, I need to use the bathroom. And I begin to think, hey kids, this isn't Netflix. This isn't Roku. This isn't your Kindle. You can't pause it. There's no rewind because a living play requires attention. It requires attention. Pay attention. We don't get our money back. And as I'm sitting there watching it live, something strikes a chord, struck a chord in my heart regarding the life of Maria. She's the main character. See, Maria had felt and thought that her only way to serve the Lord was to become a nun. The issue was she just didn't seem to have the grace for such a life that the convent required. See, Maria was wired to sing. Maria was wired to put forth the sound of music. And the convent was not conducive for that. The head mother then assigns her to go and help nanny uh, general's kids. Now she's there serving the general and serving the kids. She begins to fall in love with this widowed man. She begins to fall in love with the kids. And she, in fear, leaves abruptly, runs back to the convent without saying goodbye to the general, without saying goodbye to the kids. The issue is, is now she's back in the convent and she's feeling dead again. She's locked up behind doors. Sounds familiar, huh? Sounds like the disciples. Because of fear, they're locked up in, behind doors. They're shut in on walls. And there she is locked up. But then she has a live again moment. This is my prayer for you and our prayer for you that you'd have a live again moment. And the head mother is used as a catalyst for this live again moment in the life of Maria. And the head mother tells Maria, listen Maria, you need to find the person. You need to find the person you were meant to be. And Maria, you need to look for it. You need to give attention to it. She realizes 
that she can serve God by being a mother. She realizes she can serve God in her marriage. She begins to find out that thoughts and ways that have walled her in of how she could serve God and worship God and use her gifts and the sound of music, that it didn't just have to be being a pastor. It didn't just have to be being at a convent. That there's other ways to serve God and to live again. She gets married and begins to raise them. Some of you today are like Maria. Yes, even some of us men are like Maria in this sense. We need to look again at our job. We need to look again at what we're doing. We need to look again at our beliefs regarding how we can serve God. Some of you grew up thinking the only way I can serve God is if I go overseas somewhere. Some of you began to think the only way I can serve God is if I, you know, become a pastor or become a teacher. No, 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 no. Listen. It requires giving attention to how God has wired you and how you can serve Him as you're going through life. Do you want to live again where work is not a dread majority of the time? Where it doesn't deplete you day after day emotionally and physically, distracting you from living on purpose? And listen to me, you need to do what the disciples did. You say, what did they do? They began to give Jesus' hands, began to give Jesus' side attention again. See, some of you, you need to give attention to how the hands of Jesus has shaped you. Not how wrong thinking has shaped you. Not how the expectations of others have shaped you. Not how religion has said this is the only way to serve God. But you need to give attention how the hands of Jesus has shaped you. That he shaped you with gifts. He shaped you with talents. He shaped you with desires that you have from him. See, there's so many people in the region that we live. They're living for money, but they're not living on mission. And some of us, it requires giving attention again of how God shaped us, how he's gifted us, so that our work can be a sense of worship, a sense of living again, that there can be a sound that comes out of our life that brings glory to God, that fulfills passions and desires that God has gifted us, and then it will cause others around us to live again. Some of us need to give attention to Jesus' side again. Give attention to how you are to be by his side, ministering to others, using your talents, using your job, using your influence as worship to God and expanding the kingdom of God. Notice where they gave attention to, though. They gave attention to where Jesus' hands and side had been pierced. They gave attention to where Jesus had suffered. Let me ask you this question. What if where you have been pierced and where you're suffering is intended to get you on the path to live again and be glad again. See, 1 Timothy 5, 6, Paul says that those who live in pleasure are dead even while they live. But there's another way. You can live again not for pleasure, but you can live again for the purpose of God for your life. You can live again to the way he's created you and wired you and the plan he has for you. I like what the psalmist said. The humble shall see this. And be glad. Society might not be glad that you don't fall into their box. There might be relationships and expectations of others that's not glad that you don't fall into their box, that you're not walled in by fear, that this is the only way I can serve God, the only way I can make a living. But the humble shall see it and be glad. Why? Because in you who, who seek God, your hearts shall live. I wonder, you have a beating heart but do you have a living heart today? Are you living 
the sense of His purpose and how He shaped you and desires He has for you. Notice what Jesus said in verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I believe today people can live again for the sending of Jesus, not the false security of this world. The fact that you're sent with purpose, with mission, to be by the side of Jesus. And this makes me think about the story of Tony.
after that night when I made the decision to follow the Lord and surrendered my life to Him, um, I really started giving attention in my life to the things of God and the things that He wanted me to give attention to. So a big part of me living in depression was isolation. I had successfully isolated myself from everybody in, in my life, and the enemy was just having a field day with my mind and my emotions. And so immediately after that night, I got involved in a small group with girls my age. And um, through that, the Lord just really brought relationships into my life that were unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. There are people that I was bonded together with through the Holy Spirit that really, truly cared about me and my spiritual growth and who I was becoming as a person. And they were invested in my life. And it was, it was so amazing because, you know, after I made that decision, the enemy would come and try to attack my mind, and they were able to call out a truth and say, that's not the Lord, that's the enemy talking to you. And so that's why I was laughing all the time before when I would try, I would, I would try my own efforts to live broad. I was, I was missing that community that would hold me together. I'm so thankful for the grace of God in my life. I'm thankful for His love. Now robed in magic 
remain connected some of you need to connect faithfully to the gathering to the group and to connect groups living things require attention and lastly living things receive notice at the end of our text Jesus said to them again peace to you Peace is not something you can attain on your own. It's something you can only receive from Jesus Christ. Then he said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Notice after Jesus says you're sent to live again, to live again on God's purpose and mission and how his hands have shaped you and gifted you to live like Jesus did sent by the Father to live as one who remains connected to live as one where it requires giving attention to the Father's purpose he then breathed on them and he said receive the Holy Spirit see living things are receivers and disciples who are alive and disciples who remain alive are those who are receiving continually the infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation. But keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, living things learn to receive what they have not earned, what they do not deserve. And living things receive power and strength from the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives. Oh, this is my testimony. It's one thing to try to live the mission and live the purpose depending on your own breath. Why don't you no longer depend on your breath and let Jesus breathe his breath on the inside of you? Why don't you let, receive his power and grace to live out how he's shaped you, how he's made you, how he's called you, how he's gifted you? You say, Pastor Chad, you don't understand. I'm so empty. I'm so depleted. Trying to live out this thing for Jesus. I'm so stuck in what I've been facing. So lacking. Listen to me. The truth is I do understand. The reason why I understand is that I'm just like you. I need like you something outside of my situation. I need like you someone greater than myself to give me what I do not have. Because living things receive. Paul again in the resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, he said, The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin is your own breath. Depending on your own works. Trying to do it in your own strength. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Come on, someone say, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Notice what Paul says, God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, living things learn to receive what they cannot earn, what they cannot deserve, what God freely gives through Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. He'll give you the victory. He'll give me the victory. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the resources we need to live out what He has for us that requires our attention. Some of you need to find out what He's given you in Christ. Paul called it the pattern of sound teaching. And the pattern of sound teaching is you receiving and understanding what the pattern of the nails in his hand and the pattern of the nails in his feet has purchased for you to freely be given by God through Jesus Christ. Get in growth phases. Why not live again by the power of God? Why not live again today by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus desires to breathe into us? I love what the psalmist said in Psalms 145, 16. He says, God, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. When I hear that, I can't think, but it helped think about Jesus' hands that were nailed open so God could give you freely that which would satisfy your desire to live again. I want you to see how even one of our pastors had to begin his journey by receiving fully the grace of God.
It was March 8, 2002, when I first stepped into this arena for my very first experience of Winterfest Youth Conference. Man, my life was out of control. My life was spiraling out of control. I had pain. I was a very conscientious student, but I'd gotten involved in the wrong crowd at school, at my high school, and I'd been doing drugs and alcohol, and I was empty. I remember walking to this arena because I was invited by my church ministry. I'd gone to church for really the first time just a few weeks before March 8th, and my youth ministry, they said, man, you've got to go to this, with us to this incredible youth conference. It's in Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. He said, there's this guy that's a young pastor named Jensen Franklin. He preaches these incredible messages. You've got to come. And so I said, I'll come. I remember walking into this arena, and I felt empty, much like it looks today. I felt like I was the only one. Uh, that Wednesday night previous to Winterfest, I was in a trailer where we met, our youth ministry did, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And our youth pastor gave out these small little styrofoam cups. And back in those days, we sang songs like, this is the air I breathe. And he said, lift up your cup, and God's going to fill your cup this weekend. And I came that March 8th, and I was the only one that kept my cup. And I walked down to the floor, and I sat down right here. Here's where I was seated. And I looked at the stage, and the service began. And it almost felt like God was singling me out. It was like the 20,000 youth that were around me just began to dissipate. They disappeared, and it felt like God was just convicting my own heart. You know, my family hadn't gone to church all growing up. We were what I called CEO Christians. Christmas and Easter only is the only time we went to church. And I remember coming in here, and as I came in here, Pastor Franklin, and the worship was incredible, and God began to deal with my heart. And I remember looking around at this pastor larger than life, thinking, man, what in the world is going on? I've never experienced this in my life. And the love of Christ began to compel me. I remember crying before the service was even over. He began to preach, and it felt like he was just preaching straight to my heart. And as I sat here, as I sat here, kind of just hanging out, sitting here, looking at what God was doing and everybody else, God just began to pinpoint me. I began to weep, began to break. The Spirit of God began to convict me. When he first got to the altar time, I couldn't wait for him to call. He, he did a one, two, three countdown, but I got up out of the seat as fast as I could, and I sprinted down this middle aisle, and I got in the altar. And I began to lay out my heart to God, saying, God, I give you my life, Lord. I know my life is not worth much, but if you can still use it, I give you everything. And I remember being down there in the altar, and I began for the next two hours after that altar time, just began to pray for my family. My family wasn't serving God. My family was away from God, and my mother and sister were in a lot of domestic disputes and fights and arguments all the time. And I remember looking back over my shoulder, and I would look back at the group just waiting on me. But something inside of me said, Craig, pray. God would hear my prayers, that God would be faithful to answer a 16-year-old from Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, in an arena with 25,000 youth, that God would intersect my family. Lo and behold, after getting out of that altar, I left it with God, and I walked back to the group. And that Sunday night, I got home, and I began to, to pray for my family more. And within a week, I got to actually lead my mother to Jesus Christ right there in my bedroom. And within three months, a family that was away from God, God saved my mother, my father, my sister, my mother's parents. And my entire family lineage was changed in a matter of three months, all because one individual came to a youth conference called Winterfest and sat right here in this chair, and the Spirit of God intersected my family. My entire history is changed because of an experience at Winterfest Youth Conference.
things receive. Notice how he not only received the only one who has the power to bring about a lasting change, change of a new heart and a new start and a new relationship with our Creator, Jesus Christ. But when he did, he also received a burden for his family, a burden for those around him. Most of us, if not all of us, have heard of a bonsai tree. A bonsai tree is a tree or shrub that has been dwarfed intentionally by pruning the roots and by pinching the roots and also by the tree being grown in a small pot or small container. Recently, I found that there's a garden here in the area and I went and they had a bonsai garden within this large garden and I began to walk around and look and the only thing that's keeping that tree small is the walls and the small container. Sound familiar? The disciples there shut up, walls surrounding them, staying small in fear, not living again even though Jesus Christ was alive and made new life available. But you know, the opposite of this, of intentionally keeping something small, insignificant, shut up, is a sequoia tree. Pastor Craig and I this past summer had the opportunity. We went to a sequoia grove. You see these massive trees that just filled with the majesty of God. And the roots go down so deep and they go up so tall. Massive, massive declarations. God's imprint, God's power and wisdom. What's interesting though is back in that bonsai garden, there was a miniature sequoia grove. Notice the difference of the sequoias in California and these here in this grove is that these, because they're surrounded by a small pot, by their steel walls, and there's not deep access to deeply get connected to a source greater than them. They're intentionally being kept small. And I don't know what kind of walls. I don't know what kind of mistakes. I don't know what kind of shame and guilt and words of other people that try to confine you and keep you in fear and keep you smaller than God wants you to be that would try to keep you from living again. But why don't we open up those walls and open up those areas of our life today to live again and not be like a bonsai that is intentionally hindered from our potential in Christ. But why don't we become like that sequoia to grow up in to all the plan of God, to all the purpose of God for our life. Why settle for living like a bonsai, disconnected, disengaged, not receiving all you can from God, intentionally hindering God's purpose from your life because you've been hurt, because there's fears, because you've made mistakes, because you failed when you can live again in Jesus' name. I want to ask everybody to stand with their eyes closed because this is the moment to respond and make a decision. No more bonsai living. No more disconnected living. No more hiding in a room of depression. 
and anger and bitterness. No more walled off by our failures, but to let Jesus Christ come into the midst of our pain, come into the midst of our situation, and to receive his life, receive his grace, receive his forgiveness. Maybe some of you today, you say, Chad, I need to live again, and I need to live again by getting connected. Connected again to a local church, connected again to other followers of Christ. Maybe some of you need to live again by connecting to the full gospel that he not only died, he not only was crucified, but he rose victorious. And this is a gospel of victory. This is a gospel that has the power to change what is dead, what is hurting, what is broken and cause it to live again. Maybe some of you, you need to live again by giving attention to the hands of Jesus to evaluate how he's shaped you, to evaluate how he's gifted you, to understand where you're to be next to his side on mission, where your work can be one of worship. Your work can be one of the passion and the desires that God has for you. Or maybe you need to receive the power of God's Spirit to receive his grace and empowerment to give you the ability to be faithful in the things that require attention for you. If you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but on the count of three, if you need to live again in some area of your life, if there's something the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today in these moments we had together, on the count of three, I want to raise your hand. I want to know who you are. One, two, three. I need to live again, Pastor. Yes, yes, all over. All over. Maybe you're here today. You say, Chad, I've never first received Jesus Christ is Lord. I've, I never received the one who came and rose again so that I could live again. That I could come into the arms of my creator and he'll forgive me. He'll change me on the inside. That I don't have to do the work, but Jesus does the work. And you need the grace of God. You need to receive his life on the inside of you. You want to repent from your life, repent from trying to do it on your own, and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. I need to live again by making Jesus Lord of my life. Anyone? All right, here's what I want to do. I want all you that raised your hand. There's something that God's speaking to you. I want you to get out of your seats. I want you to come and make this an altar of celebration, an altar of presenting yourself to the Lord in obedience to his word. Say, here I am, Lord. Let your resurrecting power resurrect in me. Come on, come out of your seats. This is open for you to worship. Let's go out of here with a celebration. Let's receive fresh breath from heaven. Let's receive fresh grace. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.